Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Prophetico. Tonight, uh, we got some special requests. We're going to talk about Nibiru and Azazel, the scapegoat. I had 257 emails today from three different languages asking me the exact same thing, I guess. That the broadcast I did the other night, uh, I just mentioned it. I made an off-handed reference to it because we were covering news. And I guess that uh, everybody wanted to jump on that bandwagon. Uh, So, not a problem. We can certainly... Uh, talk about the simple fact that uh, this has always had its root, of course, in H5794. Oz, as you call it, Oz. And I might as well just get this out into the open. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we all know the conspiracy theories surrounding the Wizard of Oz. Of course, we don't say it as it's spelt in our tongue. It's not O's, it's of course Oz. It is spelled, uh, the proper transliteration would of course be A-Z, Oz. So there really is a wizard behind that, uh, behind that curtain, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I avoid this topic. Um, I, I have no want or desire to, to mingle this ministry uh, with conspiracy theory. I never have. But um, there's a time when everybody needs to realize that things were done on purpose, uh, especially like the planet Pluto. Uh, the whole reason why uh, the planet Pluto was discovered was because they were Uh, in search of Planet X. They had the mathematical proof that something was perturbing the orbitals of Uranus and Neptune. They looked for it, and for uh, quite a long time, uh, they searched in vain until they found, of course, the planet Pluto, which, of course, did not meet the criteria, but this was set up so that later on down the line, they could create a great deal of consternation by removing, in 2006, Pluto from the list of planets in our solar system. So this was all all planned uh, for a very long time. And of course, um, uh, this is the prime reason why uh, Percival Lowe, of course, established the Lowe Observatory. It was the first uh, observatory ever in history to be strategically placed to create the optimal viewing conditions. Uh, There it was made, and of course he immediately set off 
and that is his greatest contribution to uh, the astronomical community. Uh, everybody knows this. Uh, so, with that in mind, um, Amy, it would seem that uh, my son is having more difficulty. Can you take over for just a second and talk about the Nibiru and all that stuff you know? Um, would that be sure. possible? Sure. Okay, go ahead. I should be back here in just about 10 minutes. It, it, it won't be long, I promise. Okay, well, um, there's a lot of uh, information out there about Nibiru or Planet X coming out in uh, mainstream media. Um, I just saw a program on uh, Science Channel on Nibiru um, as a, a possible um, dwarf star, that it, our star would be a binary star system. And they theorize that if it's out there, that we've already seen it. And so if it's not a star, possibly then a planet that is out past the Oort cloud that would uh, um, interrupt the orbit of those bodies in the Oort cloud. So that's what um, why we see so many comets coming in now, because if, as that body crosses through the Oort cloud, it, it, it sends those... Um, out of their orbit, so they more of them would come toward the sun. Um, but they, science are uh, saying they have not seen this yet. Um, but mathematically, they believe that something is out there. So what that is, they're not letting us know. So that's why we've got all these conspiracy um, theories going on right now with what it is, where it is, how soon it will be here, um, things like that. So I'm interested in knowing what the Bible has to say, what God has to say about what's coming more so than any conspiracy theories out there. So looking at the Bible and looking at this word, um, Azazel, and Oz, and I can pull up that H5794 and read that and see what that says. So that word Oz, H5794, is an adjective. Um, it means power, greedy, roughly, stronger, strong, fierce, or mighty. Um, it says it, it occurs 23 times in 23 verses in the Hebrew King James. In Genesis 49.3, it says, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. In Genesis 49.7, it says, Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. In Exodus 14.21, it says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Numbers 13.28 
and says, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Numbers 21-24, And Israel smote him with the edge of the sword and possessed his land from Arnon unto Jabbok, even unto the children of Ammon, for the border of the children of Ammon was strong. In Deuteronomy 28-50, it says, A nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor shew favor to the young. In Judges 14-14, 14, 14, And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness, and they could not, in three days, expound the riddle. In Judges 14:18, And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. In Second Samuel 22:18. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me, for they were too strong for me. In Nehemiah 9.11, And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land. And their persecutors, their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps, as a stone into the mighty waters. In Psalm 18.17, he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. And Psalm 59.3, For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression, nor for my sin, O Lord. Proverbs 18.23, The poor useth entreaties, but the rich answereth, Roughly. In Proverbs twenty one fourteen, a gift in secret pacifieth anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. In Proverbs thirty twenty five, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. In Songs eight six, set me as a seal upon thine heart as a seal upon thine arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which has the most vehement flame. Isaiah 19.4 And the Egyptians will I give over into the hand of a cruel lord, and a fierce king shall rule over them, saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 25.3 Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee, the city of the terrible nations shall fear thee. Isaiah 43.16 Thus saith the Lord which maketh the way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Isaiah 56.11 Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They will all look to their own way, Every one for his gain from his quarter. In Ezekiel 7.24, Wherefore, I will bring the worst of the heathen, and they shall possess their houses, 
I will also make the pomp of the strong to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. In Daniel 8.23, And the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the fall, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. Nameless 5.9, That strengthened the spoiled against the strong so that the spoiled shall come against the fortress. Well, you can see there a lot of that. It sounds to me like they're talking about a battle in there, especially like in Daniel when he's talking about the um, king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences. I really want to know what that's about. Um... Very interesting. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is very interesting. I just caught the end of what you was reading there. Uh, but, mm-hmm. yeah, the, <clears throat> the whole spill through there, what you have is, of course, Oz. Uh, it, it spreads apart to all those that you were implying there. But this goes right back to, of course, the root for the word fortresses that... Uh, is there in Daniel chapter thirty-eight or Daniel chapter eleven verse thirty-eight, which talks that he worships a god of fortresses. That's the root word is Oz right there. And you have to realize that this goes to the scapegoat. Uh, this is, of course, the root for the scapegoat's name, Azazel. More importantly, uh, it will take you uh, directly to, of course, uh, Judges chapter five and verse. 23, ladies and gentlemen, it has to take you there because there's only the difference of one letter there between Moaz and, of course, uh, fortresses. Just a single letter difference. So when we go there and, and take a look at that, uh, Moaz there uh, is the only star ever mentioned uh, in the Bible that is cursed. Uh, starting out there in verse 19, uh, this is a stanza. Uh, verses 19 through 23 of Judges chapter 5. In that stanza, Moraz is cursed because it did not join the other uh, stars uh, from heaven that fought against Sisera. So, it is perfectly obvious when you take a look uh, in the Greek side of the book of Daniel, it it kind of stares you right into the place uh, that this Miraz could be. Uh, because there we have uh, dire threats, of course, in um, the last chapter of the book of uh, Daniel. And everybody knows uh, this, of course, as the abomination of desolation here. Uh, he makes himself perfectly clear there in verse 11 in the Greek. Whatever this is, it confounds, it disrupts. It makes the daily procession of parallax. That's exactly what the Greek says. It uses the word parallax. It's always said that. Uh, And for sacrifice here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you just have to come to the grips with the simple fact of what this Greek word means. It means the seasons or times, the daily times. It's talking about the procession of the stars. So, With that in mind, there's only one star that's been cursed that could possibly qualify 
as an abomination that maketh desolate. That is Morales. Um, so, a whole lot of things uh, tied up with this, but, uh, you know, the idea <laughs> of this celestial interloper, I hope that everybody realizes that it goes back a whole lot farther uh, than anybody has before now recognized, because it's obviously we're staring at it right here in the Bible source code, so uh, it predated everything that you might have thought. Now, science and eschatology did not come crashing together until the establishment, of course, of the Lowell Observatory. They knew something uh, was perturbing Uranus and Neptune, and still it has not been found. And when we fast forward, uh, now, now, let me make sure I make myself clear. That's a whole purpose for the Lowell Observatory. It's common knowledge that Lowell's greatest accomplishment in the astronomical community was the discovery of Pluto because he was looking for what was perturbing Uranus and Neptune. You fast forward in science or eschatology, and you're going to be hit uh, with things staring you in the face. Um, because, ladies and gentlemen, we we <laughs> everything that I have talked about, uh, the celestial interloper, for over 30 years. <laughs> okay, let's, let, let's just say that. I've been talking about this since I was a teenager. Um, and the history and the science was always there. Always. Um, this one simple fact uh, has remained constant. Just like Lowell was lurking for whatever uh, this gravitational uh, perturber was, they are still looking for it, this, this hypothetical planet. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, they, they've already accepted the Nice model, and in doing so, uh, they of course accepted uh, Jupiter's grand tack. You have to understand that the basis, the linchpin in all of this, the Nice model loudly declares to be a hypothetical fifth gas giant. Now, I'm not, not talking out of the side of my mouth. I'm telling you the truth. And you need to understand that, that well, those in the... Uh, eschatology community, they will try to say that uh, that Nibiru, this this uh, this celestial interloper, is the sign of Son of Man. That 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 would actually, as far as I'm concerned, that would be kind of blasphemous. Okay, under no certain circumstances would. Any God-fearing, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching Christian ever say that the sign of the Son of Man is an abomination that maketh desolate. So you need to understand what, what they are actively doing to you right now. So it's okay if you follow these uh, conspiracy theories, and, and Amy is one of them. That's one of the 
major contentions privately I've always had with Amy. She loves conspiracy theories, and she loves to talk about it, and she just knows I don't like to talk about it. But And that's okay as long as you realize that if you've been visiting uh, these uh, Christian prophecy experts, if you hear them inferring that uh, Nibiru is the sign of the Son of Man, that's an outright lie. Now, we can prove that historically speaking. It doesn't matter which uh, part of the planet we go to or which part of the timeline we go to. Ladies and gentlemen, Jupiter has exclusively been known always as the King Star. As a mitre of fact, the most ancient records that we have, no matter where you go, China, uh, Angolia, I- anywhere you go, Jupiter is always, has always been, period, the king star. So uh, that's why I'm willing to just drag this right out into the light. If you've heard any shepherd say this, don't infer that they didn't know better. Because everybody knows that the king star, literally the sign of the Son of Man, is Jupiter. And now that uh, NASA has proven this to be the case, and as a matter of fact has proven this to, to be the case that if Jupiter did not take a grand tack, we'd all be dead. So it's the simple fact that they reject what Christ said himself. I mean, if you want to play the literal game, they've rejected what Christ said. Literally rejected it. Science comes along and proves it. So, with this in mind, I I don't have a whole lot of time for fiction and fantasy, but I know where to Look, and I know why I should be looking there. So we need to talk about uh, some things that all of you are probably uh, not expecting me to talk about. But when it comes to uh, the Nice model, uh, let's just take a a look at that, okay? Uh, Why would we not be able to see this fifth gas giant. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it wasn't too awfully long ago that there was one particular uh, gas giant. <laughs> look, I want everybody to do this. Look up, look up dark gas giant, and you're going to wind up staring in the face on in the mainstream news now in the mainstream news of one they have dubbed the Dark Knight. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of time to uh, play conspiratorial games with you. I I am telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Now, uh, this particular object, of course, uh, has a designation. Uh, But just take note that what I'm telling you is true. Uh, And as a matter of fact, uh, it made great waves in uh, the astronomical uh, community when it made a transit of its own stellar 
parent body. Okay, and I'm not lying to you. This is real. It's it's not fiction. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here looking at, at articles straight from NASA. The real question is why you can't see it. Why is it libido so dark? That that's the real question here. That's the real problem here. <laughs> is why uh this is the case. So this has been all over mainstream news, all over it, uh, especially when, of course, it made its infamous uh, transit. Um, it, it was just all over the news, and nobody could see it. And I didn't take time to talk about it because I really uh, wasn't wanting to take the time to do it. But uh, – this gas giant is real. Uh, we've watched it uh, go across its own stellar body in a transit. And therein lies the key. Therein lies the key, ladies and gentlemen. If you understand what is going on here um, with this extremely dark – uh, gas giant here, and and it, it, it you know it, it it was on June 26. I might as well go. You know what? I, I need to calm myself down because for some reason I'm wanting to get upset about this. Um, so I'm just going to put it into the chat. Let me get over there, and Amy can just just read it for us. Well, here. Matthew, I have an article I just pulled up on Wikipedia. I could read. Um, and when you when you told me what to look up dark. Gas Giant. This article on Trey 2B came up, um, or also called Kepler 1B. That's right. That's it. Yeah. It's an extrasolar planet orbiting the star um, GSC 03549-02811, located 750 light years away from the solar system. Um, The planet has been identified in 2011 as the darkest known exoplanet, I'm sorry, my dog is barking, um, reflecting less than 1% of any light that hits it. The planet's mass and radius indicate that it is a gas giant with a bulk composition similar to that of Jupiter. Unlike Jupiter, but similar to many planets detected around other stars, um, Trade 2b is located very close to its star and belongs to the class of planets known as hot Jupiters. This system was within the field of view of the Kepler spacecraft. This planet continues to be studied by other projects, and the parameters are being improved continuously. A 2007 study improved stellar and planetary parameters. A 2008 study concluded that the Trey 2 system is a binary star system. This has a significant effect on the values for the stellar and the planetary parameters. Trey 2b was discovered on August 21, 2006 by the Transatlantic Exoplanet Survey by detecting the transit of the planet across its parent star 
using SLUTH and PSST, part of the trait network of 10 centimeter telescopes. Um, those, those two are the one in Palomar Observatory in California and the Lowell Observatory in Arizona. The discovery was confirmed by the W.M. Keck Observatory on September 8, 2006 by measuring the radial velocity of the star that hosts TRE-2b. In August 2008, more details of the relationship between the parent star and the orbit of the planet were published. The orbit was determined to be tilted by minus 9 plus or minus 12 degrees from the stellar equator. The orbital direction was determined to be in the same direction as the star's rotation, which is prograde. NASA launched Kepler in March 2009. The spacecraft is dedicated to the discovery of extrasolar planets by the transit method from solar orbit. In April 2009, the project released the first flight images from the spacecraft, and TRE-2b was one of two objects highlighted in these images. Although TRE-2b is not the only known exoplanet in the field of view of this spacecraft, it is the only one identified in the first light images. All right, that's that's enough, uh, Amy. Yeah, okay. I put I, I put the uh, I put some articles <clears throat> in there uh, so that everybody could uh, see what is going on. But uh, let me just say this that. This is how it's been described by David Spiegel of Princeton University himself. He said, it's not completely pitch black. It's so hot that it emits a faint red glow, much like a burning ember or the coils of an electric stove. It's a direct quote. So the question is, ladies and gentlemen, why can't you see it? Well, once you get out into the range of Neptune and beyond, it's not going to be able to see from a secondary light source. Of course, the primary secondary light source is the sun. Now, this exoplanet that I just described to you, which Amy just read to you, it is very close to its parent body. Like I said, it made great waves in the news when it had its transit. Okay, and you were able to actually uh, watch this. I mean, here I have it on uh, the Cosmos page. Watch first ever live views of the transit of an exoplanet. This was the Dark Knight. Here, let me read his direct quote. It was nicknamed the Dark Knight, the Black Knight, uh, Tris 2b. was also been described as the darkest planet in the universe because it reflects so little light. You understand, it's very close to its parent stellar body. But we can still see it. However, if an object just like this was far beyond the reaches of Neptune, you couldn't see it. Well, I find interesting too the constellation it's in is Draco. I don't know say that one more thing. Just just, just say says, that one more time, Amy. 
the constellation it's in is Draco. That's right. That's right. You said it, so I didn't have to. It seems like that's been happening a lot today. Uh, Jennifer did that to me earlier when she brought up the simple fact, uh, hey, what are they doing with this Oz? Why is it when you transliterate it, that's A-Z, that's our A to Z, that's your alphabet. Where does that come from? Uh, Of course, she really didn't have to look it up if she did just listen to all my, my rants that I've had over the years about Latin. I hate it. That's what they use to corrupt the word of God for public consumption. I hate that language. I hate it. So, uh, and especially everybody needs to realize that uh, it was – oh my goodness. It was Francis of Assisi, which of course wrote the first poem, the Canticle to the Sun in Latin. That's our first and, – and yes, he is the namesake for our current pope. And for God's sakes, please do not do this to me. No, I don't have anything bad to say about the Catholics or the pope. I really don't. So um, I'm not picking on them whatsoever. I'm just bringing you the historical facts. So, ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the strata of information I just gave you, that's real. It's real. Now, when you ask yourself, well, what on earth – God did not give us any – type or shadow of this in the scripture, what on earth do you think he was doing with Leviticus chapter 16? Because that's exactly what he says. The problem with this, that this is tied up in another prophecy concerning the red ribbon that was tied around the neck of the scapegoat. Now, I, I hate to bring this up, but Ladies and gentlemen, every uh, prophecy buff or prophecy expert uh, knows about the implications of that scapegoat returning back around the time of the temple's destruction. The Jews in their writings would say that whenever the scapegoat returned or, or, or was seen again… The ribbon that they had placed around its neck was white, except the days before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. It would return, and it scared the living daylights out of them because it hadn't turned white. It was still red. This is an exact type and shadow of this celestial interloper that makes the daily procession. Desolate. And when you realize that the Bible only states the name of a single star, and that star is cursed in that same scripture, it's a duh issue. There is no no real question in my mind <clears throat> this celestial interloper that… Uh, makes everything go haywire, is in fact Miraz. Now, uh, I'm certainly open for debate on that if you can bring me proof that God has named a different star that he also cursed in the same breath. 
Uh, Amy, your your thoughts on that? I need to step out for a second. Well, I um, I think it's pretty obvious if you study anything at all about our solar system that we've obviously had some pretty cataclysmic events happen. Um, you know, just look at the debris field that exists between Jupiter and Mars. That you know we call it the asteroid belt, but you know, what was there? Was it a planet that exploded? Did something hit it? Um, was it ripped apart by gravitational effects of Jupiter coming in closer to the sun? I mean, who knows? And you look at Mars, and there's evidence that it one time had an atmosphere, and the two moons that are on Mars, they look like they were... Um, pieces of that asteroid belt that got caught around Mars. And even our own moon has so many more um, craters on the dark side than on the light side of the moon. So the back side Mm -hmm. of the moon is just pockmarked all over with craters. So, I mean, in massive um, impacts all over that, even... They have fields of lava that right. came out where where the moon crust of the moon was thinner because of all the impacts. You know, it just like bursted out of it. So right. Well, we we also have this aspect. Okay, uh, Mercury is the most cratered object in our solar system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I just uh, did some work on this, but there is no square inch of mercury surface that is not cratered not not any it's completely cratered but this also ties in of course with biblical prophecy because that is how that is why it is tied directly in bible prophecy to saturn's hexagon now i haven't did anything publicly on saturn's black box but i assure you that i intend to if I'm afforded the time. But it is unavoidable to not link Mercury directly to Saturn. And one reason is the same reason for the other, astronomically speaking. Um... And, and when you're able to see that, when you're able to look at the data and realize what's going on there, well, it brings into uh, the electric universe. Um, and let us remember that uh, Mercury uh, was the very reason why Einstein come up with relativity because it was not in the right spot. So you need to understand that this has everything to do with everything. Literally everything. Uh, so... With that in mind, uh, why don't why don't we go ahead and read? Uh, well, Leviticus chapter sixteen is pretty long. It's pretty lengthy, actually. Um, is there a part we can pull out? Let me take a look at it and see if there's just a part I want to pull out because it's so lengthy. No, there's not. I can't divide it because it's in eight. It's in no. I can't. I can't divide it. Uh, Can you read the whole thing, Amy, please? Leviticus chapter 16. 
Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they had approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, or he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Aaron shall enter the holy place with this, with a bull for sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen tunic, and the linen undergarment shall be next to his body. And he shall be girded with the linen sash and attired with the linen turban. These are holy garments. Then he shall bathe his body in water and put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the sons of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Then Aaron shall offer the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself, that he may make atonement for himself and for his household. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it, to send it into the wilderness as the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his household. And he shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take a fire pan full of coals of fire from upon the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of finely ground sweet incense, and bring it inside the veil. He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the ark of the testimony. Otherwise, he will die. Moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side and also in front of the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. He shall make atonement for the holy place because of the impurities of the sons of Israel and because of their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And thus he shall do for the tent of meeting, which abides with them in the midst of their impurities. When he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, no one shall be in the tent of meeting until he comes out. And he may make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar on all sides. With his finger, he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it seven times and cleanse it. And from the impurities of the sons of Israel, consecrate it. When he finishes atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall offer the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it 
all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. He shall bathe his body with water in the holy place and put on his clothes and come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. Then he shall offer up in smoke the fat of the sin offering on the altar. The one who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body with water. Then afterward he shall come into the camp. But the bull of the sin offering and the goat of the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place shall be taken outside the camp and they shall burn their hides, their flesh, and their refuse in the fire. Then the one who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body with water then afterward he shall come into the camp. This shall be a permanent statute for you in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month. You shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you, for it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You will be cleaned from all your sins before the Lord. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, that you may humble your souls. It is a permanent statute. So the priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as priest in his father's place shall make atonement. He shall thus put on the linen garments, the holy garments, and make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar. He shall also make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. Now you shall have this, as a permanent statute to make atonement for the sons of Israel for all their sins once every year. And just as the Lord had commanded Moses, so he did. Amy, can you explain something to me, please, real quick? Sure. Will you read verse 2 again for me, please? Because I think I see something there that you can't perceive. Just read verse 2 again. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, or he will die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. Well, I know what you're saying for cloud there. You see, that is nafili. Okay? That's the Greek word nephili. It is in the dative singular feminine case. The Lord your God just told you, point blank, because he referred to himself in the in the singular feminine form. You see, he uses that exact same word somewhere else. Let me read it to you. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. That is the same exact case and form of cloud used in 
the 21st chapter of Luke, verse 27. Please look it up if you don't believe me. So well, that makes sense because if the, if the Lord appeared to um, Israel in the wilderness as a cloud, you know, by day and the pillar of fire by night, you know, that makes a lot of sense that he would come back in that same cloud. Let, let me ask you this. Did you see any references in that verse referring you back to Luke chapter 21, verse 27? I mean, uh, let's go to the New American Standard Bible. Mm, nope. Here, I'll just read them for you. Um, the cross-references here is Exodus 25, uh, Exodus 40, and 1 Kings chapter 8. Okay, let's go to the King James Bible. Let's see here. Same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing. Oh, this adds, the King James Version adds references to Hebrews 6, 9. Uh, let's try... You get my point, Amy? Um, I guess. <laughs> kinda, I, I, I'm kind of wondering where you, what you're getting at. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they didn't want you to see this. There is no reason why you would not have a direct uh, cross-reference in whatever Bible you're using. They should all have Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2, referencing Luke 21, 27, and vice versa. The Lord your God just told you you were going to see him appear in a cloud in both cases, and in neither place can you get back to the original verse where that's said. So if you don't – so all these prophecy experts, all these Bible experts uh, telling you that one has nothing to do with the other, well, I'm sorry. I reject that. I reject that outright. I reject Ooh. them, whoever they may be. I don't know who you're talking about, but that makes absolute sense to me that the same cloud because, like I said, it's just – you know, God was there in the cloud. He was there over the mercy seat in the cloud, okay, and then – why wouldn't Jesus be in the cloud when he comes back? Same cloud. It makes sense. Right. So now he's given you an exact extrapolation over what is happening on the approach for the sign of the Son of Man. He's literally just come out and told you that it has everything to do with that scapegoat being ejected from this place. There's no excuses. He's given uh, time of when it's going to be and everything. Yes, there is. You know, I, I, I don't want to get upset, but there's no excuse why somebody who would profess to be a Bible expert wouldn't know this. This is unexcusable to me. Unless they actually are promoting themselves being an expert, having no idea what God himself said with his own mouth. Because he didn't speak English, Amy. So if you purport to be a Bible expert in English, you're a liar. There, There's no way you could even – well, like the question I just, just posed, why aren't these cross-referenced? Of course nobody's going to do it for you. The Lord your God himself will give you the eyes that can see and the ears that can hear. You will know where it's at. You won't think you'll know. You'll know where it's at. You'll know it. Now look. I'm even going to go further. Under what circumstance would you not see the Lord your God refer to him in the dative singular feminine form 
and that not grab you, that not burn its way into your brain, because there's no way I could forget it. Okay, and you can be well rest assured that when I was little, okay, when I was a child, I wanted to know, uh, hey, is you know this this translation wrong? Why, why did God just refer to Himself in the feminine form? When he says he will appear in a cloud. Of course, Brother Webster started laughing. He said he wanted to make sure that you knew that this is when... Matthew, what happens? What, what does the Lord your God tell you whenever a woman, a man, leaves their parents and cleaves to one another? Oh, well, they become one flesh. Duh. Duh. So God has to make sure that he gives you the perfect way. You can't say this in English, Matthew, Brother Webster would say. So he's going to give it to you using the case and the form of the Greco language so there will be no debate about what he's talking about. Hmm. And, of course, the rabbis always knew this. They always knew this. They're not going to tell the Christians because the Christians hate their guts. But So, you know, it's upsetting to me that, that people don't well, that they run around claiming to be Bible experts, and they don't have a clue what – I mean not even a remote little bitty clue what they're talking about. And I am the recipient of their lost sheep. I mean then I have their sheep emailing me from the four corners of the world trying to find out what God said. When their shepherds have them so completely confused and lost, it is utterly ridiculous. But when you just look at what he said with his own mouth, it's perfectly obvious what he was talking about. Great God, Matthew, that they were able to find you. Yes, ma'am. I. Oh, man, I'm... I don't mean to get hot underneath the collar. I'm really trying to fight, you know, losing my cool. But I, I'm just... All we can do is praise God that, you know, that they are able to ask you questions. Yes. You you, you know what, Amy? You are right. Uh, you are more writer than me. It, it's just... It gets frustrating. It, it gets it gets frustrating. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, I do. I know that there's a lot of people out there that don't understand what the heck you're talking about. But I think, you know, if God wants you to know the truth, he'll tell you. The Holy Spirit will tell you. If you weren't there, you know, the Holy Spirit would tell them. If they're supposed to be the bride, they'll know. Right? Amen. Amen. I can't... Well, I'm not going to argue with that. 
um, that must be the case. I mean, what you said must be the case. Um, here, why don't we uh, take a look at this? This is one of the good – well, what's a short one? Uh, th this is pretty short. I mean, I'm, I, he's not – well, it's, it's enough. Um, Amy, why don't you go to the chat room and look this one up so we can talk about it? Okay. There you go. You can do that one, or maybe this other one's a little bit better for English. It's it's more, you know, you might want to do the second one, Amy, because it's it's more for uh, people who uh, aren't too in depth for, um, you know, the Hebrew and the Greek and all that. It's it's in a question form, so it it, it answers it it answers it pretty good. Yeah, I, I would say that. Um, well. Whichever one, just just please uh, uh, please read one of them at, at at least skim one of them. Okay, um, um, I'll do the second one here since you said it's easier. Um, the question: I was wondering about a story that a Hebrew Christian told me recently. He said that there was a scarlet cloth which would turn white every year when the high priest atoned for the sins of the people. When Jesus died around 30 A.D., the cloth would no longer turn white when the priest atoned for sins because Jesus was the final atonement. I read this story in other sources, and I wondered what you have to say about it. Um, the answer is, this assertion with which you were confronted has, in the last decade, attracted wide interest in the evangelical world. In fact, I'm somewhat surprised it has taken this long for one of our website visitors to write in with this question. Despite the popularity this issue has gained in the Christian world in recent years, this contention stands out as one of the most bizarre arguments used by Christian apologists. What makes this line of reasoning so strange is that it seeks to use the Talmud to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. While most are simply surprised to learn that missionaries would depend on the Talmud in order to prove the validity of the Christian religion, in reality, this misuse of rabbinic literature is widespread. Those who have navigated through the plethora of missionary tracts are well aware of how widespread this abuse of Jewish literature has become in recent years. Moreover, by probing this bazaar, missionary approach, we can gain enormous insight into this strange tactic employed by overzealous missionaries committed to Jewish evangelism. Bear in mind, missionaries rarely shy away from an opportunity to condemn the oral law as the nimble work of men rather than the oral transmission handed down to us by Moses, our teacher. In fact, there are few issues that seem to produce the visceral passions of a Hebrew Christian world, as does the mere mention of the Talmud. These evangelicals fervently insist that the written Bible alone is reliable and divinely inspired, and often scornfully mock traditional Jews as practicing a rabbinic Judaism. Bear in mind, when Christians use the term rabbinic Judaism, it is never meant as a compliment. Paradoxically, Whenever missionaries feel the urge to advance their position by quoting from the Talmud, 
They undergo a spontaneous conversion as they happily and unhesitatingly point to the works of the Talmud with a newfound regard for its truthfulness and inspiration. Yet the very same Talmud which evangelicals gleefully use to advance their tenuous positions also unambiguously states that Jesus of Nazareth was neither virtuous nor the Messiah. This pick-and-choose approach that missionaries unflinchingly embrace doesn't appear to deter those dedicated to Jewish evangelism. Nevertheless, it is essential that we examine this well-worn argument with which you were confronted. In Tractate Yoma 39b, the Talmud quotes a barisa that discusses numerous remarkable phenomena that occurred in the Talmud during the Yom Kippur service. More specifically, the Talmud states that there was a strip of scarlet dyed wool tied to the head of the scapegoat, which at times would turn white in the presence of the large crowd gathered at the temple on the Day of Atonement. When this phenomenon occurred, the Jewish people perceived this miraculous transformation as a heavenly sign that their sins were forgiven. The Talmud relates, however, that 40 years before the destruction of the Second Temple, the scarlet-colored strip of wool did not turn white. The text of the Talmud, which missionaries quote, states, The rabbis taught that 40 years prior to the destruction of the Temple, the lot did not come up in the high priest's right hand, nor did the tongue of the scarlet wool become white. All right, that's enough, Amy. And it was perfect that she read that, because you realize they spent how many paragraphs telling you, discouraging you from the simple fact that this was documented. Did you like that, Amy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got, yeah, they got that. Yeah, they're going to discourage you from knowing it, but it's there, you know. It did happen. And they quoted from it, so. Yeah. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, that is the reference I had Amy read everything. You got the jot and the tittle, but more importantly, it spent let, – let me just count them. Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six. It spent six paragraphs making sure that you didn't believe it. The next paragraph was, of course, them trying to apologetically undo – the prior six paragraphs, and then the seventh, you know, or, or then after that, the eighth paragraph, they finally gave you the direct quote. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is why the this is why the sheep don't know what's going on. This is why. This is unequivocal proof. There was no reason for that first. This is so far away from an academic exegesis, it's pathetic. The first thing should have been brought to the table was the direct quote, the historical facts, what you're looking at, and then an extrapolation on your ideas or beliefs, hypothetically tying them to the crucifixion of Christ. That's not what they did. They spent the first six paragraphs saying that this was not important, not true, slamming even 
missionaries to the Jewish people, they, they repeatedly slammed them, insulted them. So this is why you don't know what I just told you about 20 minutes ago. That's why. So with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, without me getting too emotional about it, there are reasons why. Okay, I didn't come out and tell Amy this whenever she was first starting to irritate me back when we were on uh, Tiny Chat about her conspiracy theories. <laughs> if <laughs> Because, well, Amy, we are in agreement that you had a whole lot of very important stuff to learn first, right? Correct. Uh, be- because basically… Your electrical panel needed to be rewired, correct? Absolutely. So that's why. I mean, I wasn't being mean to Amy by by not sharing her uh, with her this information five years ago. It's just that that's not how. Well, that's not how you do it. You must train them up, and when they are up, when the Lord your God is able to fulfill his promise saying that they will be able to stand up because he will make them stand up, then you can drop the 144,000-pound nuclear warhead on top of their head and know that it won't explode. So it was improper for me to have talked about this stuff back when I first met Amy. I would have been sinning in doing so. Uh, well, Matthew, I, I want to just say something. You know, I know that back then, you know, I had a lot to learn, but I think you can tell that time's getting short because if you look at people that are new coming in, like like John Gomez, and how quickly he's learned everything, I mean, it just blows my mind. Shoot, because it's just it's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you know, he's. This is happening really, really fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, I know what you mean because that puts a whole lot more weight on me, and it makes it harder for me to control my emotions. Um, for the sheep, that's that's exciting. Yeah, but, it is. But what? But when you know you're going to come up in God's face, and He's going to ask you why you didn't get the job done in a timely manner. Okay, I, I, I'm I'm responsible for teaching a whole lot of people, and but they're getting it quick now. I mean, look at it. It's like wow. It's just you know, it's incredible the things that that they come with, they come with so fast. That took us years to get down to all of us are still learning these things. I have to laugh at us ladies because you know, we can be we can be pretty uh um um I don't know slow <laughs> to put it lightly, we're slow. <laughs> yes, and, and in the beginning oh my goodness, Dory, uh oh my goodness, she would ask me every question the the same time, 20 times in one week. Uh, God bless her. And 
but you're right. Back then, it, it it was funny. I had time to laugh about it. I had time to say, "Now, Dory, honey, I just told you this." But now, and I remember. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So. And it it is a blessing to know that people are getting it a whole lot quicker. It just means that. This is an equation. If that be true, if that variable is locked into place, that means the equations sum is being reduced at a geometric rate, Amy. Of the time approaching, of course. I got that. (laughs) Oh, it looks like Paul showed up. I just checked the chat. Hey, Paul. It was good. The girl stayed engaged in patterns of evidence. I don't know what he's talking about, patterns and patterns oh, of evidence. Oh, he just had his, his daughter's watch, that uh, Exodus patterns of evidence. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, David uh, Rowe, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Mm, good, stuff. good stuff. Oh, hey, Paul. Is, is was, that a good fit was, or what? It's a wonderful documentary. I recommended it in church this morning. Somebody asked me for the website. Um, it just blows your mind away. It keeps you engaged, and it it shows you, you know, from a from an agnostic's point of view, the Bible is true. He proves it, and he doesn't even believe in the God of the Bible. He says, I don't know if there is or isn't a God. Well, I hope you referred them to that interview we did over there on the Prophetico with uh, David. I've got a lot of response back from that. Everybody loved that interview. Um, People that were not Christians, they thanked me for having him on. Um, That was was the interview that made me buy the documentary. Oh, you bought it? Well, very good. I praise the good Lord that that David… That you uh, blessed David. That's that's good. I'm glad that, and that God's going to bless it. It's, it's going to go to church next Sunday. I've got at least one person that, um, beyond the one that took the website down, I've got one other person that would really like to see it. And um, yeah, I've already bought it. We've watched it. It's going to go to church. And I, you know, that is part of our job to edify other believers, to build them up in their faith. Yes, it is. And you know what? I I would even push this. Um, I think that our family here, uh, I think if it's it's within your power, uh, give these out for gifts to your uh, biological families. Like, you know, uh, well, graduation. We just had graduation, right? Uh, All of our family members here in the Ecclesia, uh, they need to try to be a part of God blessing David, buy that DVD and, and give that for a, a gift. You know, birthday present, Christmas present. Um, so that, uh, you know, the Lord can bless David. Uh, because he, boy, he takes a hammering from Christians, not from atheists. He takes a hammering from Christians. It's a, a he is the topic of one of the greatest crusades of our time, I think. Uh, so, you know, that's that's what I would suggest. If if you have a gift to buy, go ahead and buy that and put it on the shelf and wait for a birthday or an anniversary or whatever. You can give that out for a gift. 
Well, that, because that's he did. One thing, that's one thing people overlooked. That yes, we we need to get testimony to draw other people to Christ, but but it's just as important that we edify believers and build them up in their faith and show them where their belief is true. Right. <laughs> yeah. And let me add something else to that. Everybody's probably going to be upset with me, but oh well, it won't be the first time. Um, our family members here in the Ecclesia needs to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not... Um, I asked uh, that everybody uh, please rate and comment on Biblicating the Bride. I had like, I don't know, 10 or 15 do it. But, um, you know, the family tree here needs to bear fruit. I mean, why don't you purchase... Uh, David Roll's documentary. Have you sent him a note that you appreciated the interview that we did with him? I mean, when I say we, I mean we. Uh, I mean, just because Brian and I did the talking for all of you is irrelevant. We, the Ecclesia, we are family right here. That's who interviewed David Roll because none of that would have been possible without you. I mean, I wouldn't have even have a, a laptop to use to do that interview with if it wasn't for you. Everybody knows that I don't have the money for a laptop. That was given to me. Once again, by somebody overseas. Josh sent me this laptop. So, are you all bearing fruit? I mean, I'm just asking you. Oh, yes. I, you promoted, go... that. I promoted that on Facebook, and actually, I've got David Roll as one of my friends, and um, initially, I said, you know, he didn't believe in God, and he he schooled me. He corrected me. He said, no, I'm agnostic. I didn't say there was no God. I'm just not sure. And so I just, boom, within minutes, I said, hey, I apologize. I will edit that. And I edited to say that, um, you know, that he's agnostic. And he responded back just within minutes and said, thank you for clarifying. There you go. But that's what I would do. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I would buy his DVD and send him a note thanking him for allowing, um, you know, the interview on uh, the Profetico. And uh, it won't take you 20 seconds. And tell him you're going to Give these out as as gifts so the Lord, our God, might bless him that he might know his name. And That's if all you in buy it, If you buy it on Amazon, there is almost always a share this on Facebook link. Click that and put a short blurb in there and, and mention him by name. Amen. Amen. Yep. Amen. Beyond any shadow of a doubt. So. <laughs> and like you, Matthew, I. He has been so 
gracious and so good in um, in nailing down the biblical story. I sincerely hope that he finds Christ one day. I pray for that every day. Amen. Amen. That's and, all an agnostic is, is somebody that don't know his name. And what could he do if he found Christ and had that power behind his his uh, his research? I mean, holy well, hell, it could if, explode. If, well, right now it's his, his it's his occupation. But if he became saved, it wouldn't be David's occupation anymore. It would be his ministry. Mm-hmm. That's what you're asking for. You're asking for the Lord's wonders, Paul. That's what's required in this case. You're asking the Lord your God to miraculously transform an occupation into a ministry. You're asking for the Red Sea to be parted is what you're asking. Well, and his passion would become ten times greater. Yes, it would. Beyond any shadow of a doubt. So you all need to think about that in the Ecclesia. I mean, (laughs) are you all bearing fruit? I mean, I, I hope so, because I can't make you do it. I can't make you. I mean, it's pretty bad when (laughs) I have crazy people from Great Britain go out of their way to make an account and, you know, (laughs) provide me what I humbly ask for when he didn't have to. And yet the people... In my own land, can't do it. That's 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 pretty pathetic. I'm I'm not going to hesitate in telling you the truth. I no reason for me to mince words about it. I mean, especially when these very individuals had been a part, you know, of the social networking uh, site when it was ever at the End Time Tribune, and you know. That's the reason why they left. That's the reason why they won't show their face here anymore. They're just like, no, we'll just we'll just wait till it's over and listen to the archive. I don't want to be cursed in your chat room. Now, be careful, everybody. If I was you, I would hold your tongues because I know exactly who did it. Matter of fact, I know the IP address is where it came from, those messages. I would say it's their loss. Well. It was amazing, though. This morning, do you know what our Sunday school lesson was on this morning? What? I'm I'm interested to hear. The walls of Jericho. Ah, the walls of Jericho. You know, we found Jericho. Um, when they unearthed it, of course, the walls had fallen out. That's well, physically except impossible. Well, that. <laughs> Except for that one section of the wall where it's almost certain that Rahab lived. Right, the scarlet ribbon 
was blowing in the wind. And, you know, they made the point that at that point in history, grain was like gold. Um, And I did a little reconnecting with my pastor today. He must have seen that uh, in the last few months because he remembered it. He didn't remember about the grain. And I said, you know, grain was like gold. And they were told, turn the city and you can only take the silver and the gold that has been purified by fire. And he forgot about the grain, but the documentary clearly says they found the scorched grain in the city. The grain had not been taken. (laughs) And how could they answer this question? Um, they couldn't, could there, they? No, there there wasn't really any dispute. Uh, we were actually on the same page on this, which is good because, you know, that's where we want to be. But um, it was just amazing that, you know, I only got the documentary like on Tuesday this last week. And then all of a sudden our Sunday school lesson is on the walls of Jericho. That's pretty cool. You got to admit, that's pretty cool. You know, and so I was able to ring that up, and I had at least two people that are interested. One, I'll give them the DVD. The other one, she wasn't even asking me for the DVD. She wanted to know the website where to get it, and I gave it to her. Cool. All right, I'm going to jump out for a second and refill my coffee. I'm dry. That is, that's that's unacceptable. So, uh, <laughs> you two, uh you two talk about something, Amy. I, I don't care what you talk about. I'll be back here in 10. Okay. So how did your girls like that um, pattern of evidence? Um, the oldest said she liked it. The other one, she's she's kind of resistant to dad. She wouldn't say she liked it, but... Um, she watched it right to the end. Her eyes never closed and she never, you know, excused herself to be somewhere else. Um, ah, my, my middle gal, I don't know what her issue is, but the oldest, gave a little fib and said uh, that this was a documentary she wanted to watch, not Dad. So they were both up here. They both watched it. Um, They both were glued to the TV right to the very end. Um, And I would love to see David Roll's next documentary. I think he's going to do it on from what I gather, he's going to do it on the um, the parting of the Red Sea. That would be awesome. And we um, we talked about that a little bit in church this morning. You know, a lot of contemporary people want to say, you know, the parting of the Red Sea. Well, it was just a little trickle where they parted it. You know, it wasn't a big deal, but. Um, you know, I pointed out that I pointed out that you know, forty years after the pact, the people in the promised land still remembered that it was a huge deal. 
And it was so huge that even a lowly prostitute knew about it. And I kind of, you know, kind of talked about that a little bit, uh, you know. The the king of the city somehow found out that the two spies were in the city. And if Rahab had been any other person, would the king's soldiers have simply taken her word that, yeah, they were here for a little bit, but then they left before the city gates closed? No, but she was a harlot. And so they would have accepted her, what she said. They were only here for a little while because, you know, that's, um, you know, that's kind of the way that profession works. Yeah, but... Yeah, but she didn't stay that way. Um, no, she didn't. And, uh, but 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 still, you know, I can see why the soldiers would have accepted her, what she said at face value. She said, yeah, they were here for a little bit. They left before the city gates closed with you. Well, they, they knew what she was. All, all I have to say is... Uh, the very first chapter of Matthew, verse 5. And Simon begot Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat mm-hmm. Jesse. Uh, she didn't stay a harlot, did she, Amy? No. So. I agree, she wonders. did not. So definitely his wonders being displayed there in that scarlet ribbon, huh? Absolutely. You know what I was thinking, and I don't know if this, you know, has anything to do with what we're talking about, but, you know, when Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, so there's 40 places where they did this um, offering you know the the whole the whole thing, and you know the, that was a lot of blood on the ground and everything. And you gotta wonder if that has to relate to the like maybe the track of this whole planet and everything going on. Well, am, am I way off base? Well, Amy, have you taken a look at the newest timeline I posted? I don't Here. know. Let me give a link to it. Okay. And then we can look at it together because you're going to see something there with what you just said. Now, I haven't talked about it yet, but hey, this is a good time to talk about it. I want you to take a look, and I want you to tell me the link there, um, the link between where the wondrous sign takes place and where the woman flees. So the woman flees October twenty seventh, two thousand eighteen, and the wonder sign right. takes place September twenty third, two thousand seventeen. And how many days are between those two events? 
400, right? Yeah, it's kind of 40 times 10 days, isn't it? Yeah, so that's the 40 yeah. years. <laughs> yes, and it, it's going to seem like 40 years. And I don't, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew 24 is real. And Christ took the time to tell you that for a reason. I assure you that whenever these 40 days take place, because they may very well not take place on the dates that's on that timeline. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not God. The timeline is true. You'll be able to take this timeline right here and move it down and back and around in history and the dates for celestial somological events taking place will ring true. So you can take these spans of time. That's, that's why really this timeline is not about dates. It's why dates are on the bottom. But whenever these 400 days actually happen, they're going to seem like 40 years. Just so you know. Now, if you want my personal viewpoints, like the uh, wondrous sign that occurs uh, there in September, I did a video on that. How in the heavens it illicitly makes a Uraeus crown right over Virgo's head. So, as far as the Ecclesia is concerned, there's, you have no excuse about not knowing exactly what's going on over your head. Now, uh, me and Brian have talked about this before. We may be in a Joseph event. Mm-hmm. We may be in the first... We may be in the first seven years, and this isn't going to play out to to the next fold of time. Well, why would that be? Well, what happened to Jacob and his two wives? Same exact thing. Seven years, then seven more years. So, it's not been given to Brian and I the time. But, as far as this timeline is concerned, everything makes sense. I can take you forward, backward, sideways. Like I said, this is the first time I've talked about this duration of time I've got on that timeline, isn't it? I don't think I've spoken with the Ecclesia about it yet. But that's why it's there. So, time might be a whole lot shorter than you think. And... If anybody's been watching the S&P 500 stock market, uh, it just did its death cross where – I really don't have to explain it because this is just basic history. Whenever you take the 50-week projection uh, and line it up with the 100-week projection of the S&P 500, one has crossed the other only twice. Both times it crashed. And right now, today, those two averages, the 50 and the 100 averages, have crossed each other. So, I mean, I mean, I don't like talking about finances because I don't worship finances. Well, we can 
talk about the strong man showing up on the scene because it looks like that's happening too. Yeah, it sure does. Yes, it sure does. And the strong man who is not beholden to any of the Ten Kings. Boy, you put that in a certain way, didn't you, Paul? I did. And I can see that coming. And, oh, um, yeah. Well, if the Lord's willing. If the Lord's willing. Um, and that's that's up to him. But, yeah, I got ragged on about that uh, the other day on the broadcast. They wanted me to restate what I'd stated before. And I didn't want to do that. I don't need to repeat myself. But what you just said, Paul, is pretty obvious. Yes, it is. Um, it's pretty pretty obvious. What's you know what's what's really left? A mortal blow that Well one thing's for sure. The other day when we talked about the four writers, Paul, we would agree that the problems that everybody has with this individual you're referring to is because he has an unnatural patriotism. He has an unnatural nationality uh, feeling about him, right? He's overtly patriotic, correct? He wants to build walls and deport people, and right? Oh, wait, isn't that what one of the rioters is going to do? <laughs> That's what I meant. That's <laughs> what I said. So, you know, I, I don't. I don't need to discuss it. I just realized that all my hopes might come true. Because that's what I hope for. Matthew. I don't. Yes, ma'am. This is Michelle Holland from Illinois. Hey, I just pulled up that link that you that you put on from Pinterest. Can you yes, explain ma'am? that? Can you explain that to me a little bit? Because I don't understand it. I'm sorry, I came yes. out late. <laughs> No, that's that's fine. Uh, I've explained that so many times, I think I can do it with my eyes closed. So, yeah, oh. I'd be more than happy to explain it to you. Um, you. This is a set of time uh, based upon, uh, of course, uh, what the Bible refers to as uh, the 1,290-day uh, sequence. When you look at it in this form, you realize, of course, it's a series of birthing sequences based upon the 40 weeks that a woman is pregnant, and then, of course, the 144 weeks that denotes uh, what is biblically known as two years and under. Okay, so uh, whenever Herod, uh, he killed the children uh, two years and under, and, of course, Pharaoh did the exact same thing, you realize that uh, one year is 52 weeks plus another 52 weeks then you add to that another birthing, a, another birthing cycle of 40 weeks. That's 144 weeks. That is uh, the exact uh, amount of hours that God worked, you see. God worked for 144 hours. That's how long six days is. That's how long he worked. That's why, dimensionally speaking, uh, this pertains uh, both to a physical apparatus like a building 
or a temple, and it also pertains to time. That's, that's why he's done that. So when you take a look at this, this is the 1,290 days. All that is is 280 days that a woman is pregnant plus two years and under, that phrase. That's, that's what this load of time is. So I have begun this timeline here, and this is just what I'm hoping in. I'm hoping with my whole heart this is the way it's going to work out. But uh, based upon the Blood Moon Jubilee, now a lot of people call it uh, Pastor Mark Biltz. Uh, he uh, popularized this only in a singular form at the end, so he calls it the Blood Moon Tetrad. That's not actually what it is. It's actually a Blood Moon Jubilee because back in – uh, 67, you have to understand that the first blood moon then was in 1966 due to the Jewish calendar. These two tetrads have 49 years in between them. So here on this timeline you're looking at, I have made the start date be that Rosh Hashanah last year. So when we count forward the 280 days there, that signifies a time of the closing of the matrix. Um, if you're familiar with the Bible, uh, look up the prophet uh, Samuel, and uh, when his mother, of course, cried out for a child, of course, Samson's mother did the same thing. She cried out for a child. So we have this aspect of Anna, uh, a time when a child is longed for, and, it's, and, and they pray and they weep and want a child. So that's what signifies this yellow portion on this timeline, is a closing of the matrix. Uh, that which, uh, if you just look up those exact uh, phrases there uh, in a Bible, you'll you'll find them, uh, especially the King James Version when it says that, uh, of course, Anna's womb was closed. So this denotes this first time frame here is going to be very quiet. It'll be very quiet indeed. So this is going to precipitate that a lot of well, Christian women will long to have a baby. Now, there's a reason for this. So, during this time, it's going to be very quiet. However, uh, at the end of that 280 days, the riders should begin to ride. We'll see this in rapid action, if this be a proper timeline. We're going to see... Very terrible things begin June the 19th of this year. That is going to uh, go forward for a time. Of course, things will get worse and worse and worse. And eventually, by the time the wondrous sign takes place in the heavens on September 23rd, uh, you can go to my YouTube channel. Um, uh, just look uh, YouTube Prophetico. You'll, you'll find it. Look for that video that I made, the wondrous sign, uh, September 23rd, 2017. What happens is exactly what happens in Revelation chapter 12. The uh, wondrous sign appears in the heavens, and a crown of 10 stars, is, uh, of course, or 12 stars, is placed on the woman's head. This literally happens. It's a Uraeus crown. Now, a Uraeus crown is, you know, what the pharaohs wore. It was those crowns that had the little snake in it. That's the exact representation that's going to take place. Then, in 2017, when we see this sign in the heavens, we need to go. We need to flee. You need to get away because for one reason or another, 
the Christians are going to be targeted. All of the woes are going to be blamed upon the crusaders, and that will be true. But in doing so, they will target the Christians, the good people. So, <clears throat> sorry, I've, I've had a chest cold here for a long time. So, uh, during this span, she's going to flee for 400 days. Now, at the end, you see that I have a marker date playing out 150 days. There's a very good reason for that. Because you're going to see Elijah then. That's when Elijah's going to come, those last 150 days. Is he the, he's the second prophet, correct? Yes, ma'am. Um, okay. He is supposed to come back. So wait, uh, that's why... Yes. Yes. Okay. A lot of people say that he is one of the witnesses, correct. Um, the Jews to this day will not set uh, a place at the table for uh, and, and they will leave the door cracked so he can come in and eat with them if, if he should come back. So uh, the last time this event happened was, of course, uh, Jesus told us that was the purpose that John the Baptist fulfilled. So when this happens again, and it is going to happen again because time is isochronal. That's basically the whole reason why the book of Ecclesiastes was written. Um, now I know if if you go to church or you're familiar with eschatology, everybody – uh, nobody actually believes that. Um, they say that either all the prophecies is in the past, they call those preterist, or all the prophecies are in the future. Um, but the Lord our God tells us multiple times that he chases after what's been. There's nothing new under the heavens. That's, uh, that's why uh, I catch a lot of flack because I tell everybody, well, the Mayans had it right. Time is isochronal. It is cyclical. It goes around and around. That's what God says himself. So uh, knowing that, we know that Elijah is going to come back in, on this timeline. I'm telling you exactly when he should do that event. After all of the, um, all the Christians, or the Bible refers to, to them as a bride, so it doesn't matter if we're, we're talking about men or not, they, they are still a bride. That event is going to stretch out for 400 days as probably uh, the ramping up of seizures, of course, happens locally. Because you have to understand they couldn't do this event spaced out in one time. There's no way they got the manpower to go seize everybody in Florida okay, at the same exact time they seize everybody in, let's say, uh, the state of Oregon. So they're going to do this compartmentally, and they've already arranged for this because, of course… Uh, not only in this country, because now we have uh, we have FEMA zones. Everybody knows this. They're they're going to do it at a, at a zone at a time. So that's why this is lengthened out to 400 days because uh, she is going to continue to flee for 400 days. So once all of us have fled the cities or whatever you'd like to call them. Uh, all of us will have fled into the wilderness at the end of the 400 days, at which point uh, most of us will be very frightened, will be very afraid. We, we won't know where our next meal's coming from. Uh, a lot of us will probably uh, flee to the hills, you know, go up in the woods. Uh, probably a lot of people in uh, – like Atlanta, uh, they will flee up the Appalachian Trail there if they're in Atlanta. Uh, because you can go there to well, – what's that big state park? Uh, Stone Mountain. 
you can go to like Stone Mountain, and uh, in that area is where the Appalachian Trail begins, and you can start hiking up in the mountains. So uh, it's events like these, okay? So this is going to be stretched out over 400 days, but at the end of those 400 days, everybody will be in the wilderness that is going to flee. It's at that point uh, that Elijah is going to start making his rounds, and that's going to progress for 150 days. Okay, so where do I flee if I'm in Illinois? <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you're in Illinois, you're 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 asking me where you should flee to. Yes. Well, I tell you what. If if you send me an email, I've did this a hundred thousand times, so believe me, uh, it's not going to be any trouble. I'll be happy to do it. Uh, just send me an email of where you're at, and I will uh, check the grid coordinates. I will plot that off of uh, the Tropic of Zion, and I will send you a place where you should go. It's that easy. Just send me an email at. Uh, prophetico at mail dot com. It's not Gmail. It's just mail. So prophetico at mail, and you don't have to tell me your name. No, no big deal. Just give me your coordinates, and and I will take a screenshot and send you the picture myself. Tell you exactly where to go. Okay, thank you. You are most welcome. I hope that uh, I answered your question good enough. Now, most right. most contemporary Bibles say in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, it says. There is nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. and that's the yeah, same that's... thing. Right, same thing, exact same thing. Isochronal, there's nothing new. What has happened will happen, will happen again. Right, so when we read the Septuagint of Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, and you can plainly see what he's talking about, you realize the ramifications of what you just said. Um, that's why when this does happen, when the great day of he who sits upon the throne, that's why you can't calculate that time. It's referred prophetically as 150 days or five months, but literally we're coming out of our orbital. Our rotational speed is going to be variable. You You can't keep time. Time will not be able to be kept. So uh, there's no way that even the angels in heaven that are set over these stars, they cannot calculate it. So we don't know the time between the 1,290 days and when the 1,260 days start. Of course, God takes the 144,000 Moshiim, the holy replacements. He takes them uh, to Mount Zion with him uh, per Obadiah, per Revelation chapter 14. Uh, And that's when the heavens get put back in place when those... 144,000 children replace the one-third of the host of heaven that have been kicked out. So there's no way we can know because uh, this is the whole purpose of Operation Eagle's Wings. You have to remember that that they they fight Satan first. Once they finish that war and he's kicked off Jacob's ladder and can't go back up it, then the angels come and fetch you from where you fled and they take you to a place that's been prepared for you by God. So you're you're talking about the the whole summation of end time eschatology coming together in Revelation chapter twelve. It it makes sense, but once you understand it, uh, you realize that everything you thought about the timeline before was really a mute point. 
you were trying to calculate something that can't be calculated. Uh, we don't know how long this is going to take. We, we just know what he's referred it to 150 days and five months, which is impossible. Uh, on our calendar, five months can only be at maximum like 149 days. He's also referred to this time as 10 days, 10 days of testing. Uh, he also refers to it just like uh, Amy already brought up. He says 40 years. He says 40 days that he was tested. So there's no way for us to know how long that's going to take place. Uh, this, of course, what? is when Jupiter – I'm sorry. Go ahead. When that war starts in heaven, whether it's, you know, we kind of think it's going to be 10 days. We're not really sure. But when that war starts in heaven, on day one, some of those enemies are going to be, you know, are going to lose. They're going to be down here on earth on day one. And that's why we see in the Bible where it says, don't even go back to your house. Right. Exactly. Leave because some of those entities will be down here on earth, kicked off Jacob's ladder, and they're going to be very, very angry, and they are going to look for someone to take it out on. That's that's right. And, of course, they're so angry, one of them opens the bottomless pit. So, uh, yes, Paul, exactamundo. So and it makes sense when God tells you. Now, now remember, uh, we've talked about this many times. What Paul just quoted from, how does that quote end? It says, where the eagles are, there, or where the dead are, there the eagles will also be gathered. That is the word used in the Old Testament. Same word there, eagles. Look it up. That's the same exact word. He's he's literally letting you know that's when Operation Eagle's Wings is. So, yeah, it, it makes sense, actually, Paul. I know that's pretty hard for people that's probably new to this can believe, but yeah, it, it makes sense. It has reasoning, rational capabilities to show you what is to come as long as you you, you know what's up. But if you've been taught your whole life, Paul, that Matthew 24 is a lie, that's not what's going to happen. God's going to take you out of here first. He's taking you to heaven. But he never said that. The only thing that's ever come out of his mouth is exactly what we read today in Leviticus, not only chapter 16, but of course Luke chapter 21. He himself said that, no, I'm coming to you. That's that's what he said. He never said you were going to be taken to heaven. So, when you realize that, it, I, I mean, when you've spent your whole life being drilled into your head that no, Matthew 24 is a lie, he's going to uh, relocate you to heaven, it's confusing. You're so confused you can't begin to realize what is actually going to take place and why he said everything that he said. And it can be very upsetting to a lot of people, Paul. Very upsetting, actually. It's not only confusing, but I think it's pretty plain that we are going to become back to this earth. You you cannot be in heaven unless you have a glorified body. 
And if you have a glorified body, you can't really come back to Earth. Right. And you don't realize the supreme insult this gives to Abraham. When you say that, you're saying that those who are in paradise, you get your glorified body before they do. You actually get to go to heaven before they ever do. You get to be in heaven with Jesus, already married, already married for 1,260 days, Paul. And no matter how you, no matter how special you think you might be, that ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. Abraham will be first and foremost in line to be married to the king. Nobody will 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 be before Abraham. Don't the dead in Christ rise first? Wouldn't that mean that they would be would go before us? Yes, ma'am. It is means it has to. <laughs> well, yes, it 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 has to be that way. That's why he told you because he's letting you know that those who are already in paradise. They have preeminence over you. Now, you understand that if he did that, if he gave you your glorified body first, you realize what Abraham would do. That's the whole reason why the parable of the prodigal son is given. Then you realize Abraham would say, hey, wait a minute, that's not fair. I've been here in paradise, dead for thousands of years. Why did these people get to be your bride first? You understand? But the Bible is very clear that those who are beheaded during the tribulation, they are the first resurrection. That's right. Right. And over them, they don't have to fear the judgment. The second death will have no power over them. At the end of the thousand years, then is the second resurrection where all the dead... Are raised, and those and those who are not dead will be changed in, you know, in the twinkling of an eye. Right. So it it makes sense. When before you, well, you know, I've had many people ask me that before. Well, why why does God give us examples about that of us being jealous? Uh, He gives this the same exact thing uh, with, of course, the people working in the field. Uh, it says that he paid the same exact amount to the people that had gotten there at the end of the day. And just like the prodigal son, the people had been working all day, hence <laughs> the people that had uh, – uh, hence the son that had stayed with the father in the prodigal son story, you realize that's Abraham. <laughs> and he's telling you, ain't no way that's going to happen. You are not going to be glorified. And taken to heaven for 1,260 days while Abraham and all my saints are left in paradise. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And you're, you're, you're kind of – well, I, you have issues if you think he's going to do that. You, you have issues. That's, well, that's not going to happen. One of the problems is that most churches today do not – Teach, do not make a distinction between Abraham's bosom, Hades, heaven, hell, and the bottomless pit. They say it's heaven and hell. That's it. That's all there is. And when you exclude the other three, 
you lose so much of what the scripture says. Well, right, because you're calling him a liar. I mean, yeah, that 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 would have to be the case because technically speaking, Paul, you're calling him a liar. Okay, that's not what he says. It's not what he said. Look, no matter what, no matter what, uh, we have a heck of a lot of people that have got to pass go. They're not only in heaven. They're, of course, at the altar. So all the Chinese martyrs, all the, you know… All the missionary martyrs we've had over the past 2,000 years, of course with Nero, and I need to write things about Nero too because everybody needs to realize that is a isochronal event. That is why uh, Sir Isaac Newton wrote that even though Sir Isaac Newton only had one side of the coin. I have to give you the other side of that coin. Uh, but anyway, um, you realize through that context, through these things… That uh, there is – under no point in time would you be deemed more important than the martyrs who right now are actually in heaven. Now, they have to stay at the altar. We know that. They're not allowed to you know, wander around and be married. That, that's the reason why they, they have, they're locked into that altar. They're not allowed to go you know, walk across the, the throne room and be married to Christ yet. But you would actually have to have psychotic tendencies. To think you're going to get married to Christ before those martyrs that right now, right now, they're at the altar in heaven. And if you say anything else, you're a liar. Okay, so there is a whole lot more going on than just heaven and hell. And by the way, just so everybody knows, hell doesn't even exist yet. That is the lake of fire. It's, it's Hades that exists right now. So most, most Christians don't even realize that. And when the Bible does talk about tetaros, the bottomless pit, well, they just say that's just fiction. I mean, they just say, no, that's just a story. So you're, these poor Christians don't realize that they're doing it to themselves because they reject what comes out of his mouth. They're not only calling him a liar, but he's not going to send the Holy Spirit to them to reveal to them what is to come. He he can't. I mean, you're calling him a liar. <laughs> so when you make this stuff up, that you're more special not only than Abraham himself, but more special to those that have been martyred that reside at the altar in heaven, I mean… what? Like I said, I, at the very least, I would have to dub you delusional. That's that's delusional. I mean, <laughs> it ain't happening. It's not going to remotely happen. So, But they don't realize they've done this to themselves because they have rejected what he said. When he's told them, I mean, numerous times. <laughs> I mean, he went out of his way, you know, like uh, one of us already quoted… Uh, the entire chapter dedicated to letting you know, sorry, you're not getting your resurrected body first. You're not going to. Abraham and those in paradise, they get theirs first. <laughs> but, of course, they, they won't read the whole chapter. They'll only read the last you know, 10 or 12 verses there. But in doing so, they've built 
this safe room that they go into, and the Holy Spirit's not going to reveal to them what is to come. He can't. They've rejected it. I mean, when you can't plainly look at the Scripture, well, I, well let's let's talk a little bit about the Moshiim again. Okay? You don't have to have Revelation chapter 14. The book of Obadiah tells you illicitly who is going to ascend Mount Zion. That's the whole reason why those 21 verses were written. I mean, you can reject it if you want to. That's cool. But in doing so, uh, you reject every, all the promises to the daughters of Zion. Uh, you, you, <laughs> well, let's back up a minute. You're saying that the Way of Sorrows prophecy, when Christ was carrying his cross and he turns around, and he tells the daughters of Jerusalem a very dire prophecy, well, you're just calling him a liar. That's what you're doing. Because we have to answer all of his words he's spoken about the daughters of Zion, those who's going to ascend Mount Zion, the daughters of Jerusalem, and everything they've got to go to. You've even annulled all the promises that God made to the sons of Zadok. I, I, I mean, you obviously don't fear God. I mean, I'm not going to run around and run my mouth that the promises to the sons of Zadok aren't going to be kept. I'm, you, you're not going to – you won't catch me in the zip code of somebody saying that they're going to get their glorified body before Abraham does. No, he's the one with which and through whom the promise was made. So you'd have to be psychotic to think you're going to get your resurrected body before him. He was the one that the promise was made to. And you just have I don't, to realize that. I don't think most Christians even realize that today um, because they're under bad shepherds. And I was listening to a teaching recently from you where you made a distinction. Bad shepherds are not goats. They're uneducated or ignorant and they hadn't looked into the Word. They're preaching what they've been taught, right. and what they've been taught is wrong. It's not that they're... Right. Not that, that they are... Um, um, Rebellious. They're, 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 they're not trying to be wicked. Right. They're acting they're in just, ignorance. Yes. And that's where a lot of the ignorance in the church today is is because of shepherds who who are teaching out of ignorance or lack well lack of knowledge or just because they're not smart enough to find understand the knowledge right exactly well Ladies and gentlemen, we're we're at the two hour mark, so we need to to cut this off. So, uh, Paul, you going to pray for us this time or what? Very good, I can do that. Okay, cool. Very good. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this teaching tonight. We pray that it edifies many believers, and we pray that there might be unbelievers that listen to this and see some truth in this and dig further into your word and find you because when we look at the world around us we know that 
we had a creator. There's no other way we can deny that there was a creator. And Lord, we pray that you draw them to yourself, that they would look look for the creator and find you and, and accept the salvation that you offered very freely. Lord, we ask that you would uh, bless everyone that's listened to this tonight and those who may listen to it in the future. We ask all these things in your son's name, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Quoth the mighty cherubim. Um, All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed. I hope uh, you were edified. And I hope I get uh, as little hate mail as possible. Over this uh, <laughs> over this broadcast, but uh, if you got questions, um, if you're new, if you're a guest, you can actually, if if you're scared to talk to me, you could email Amy or you could email uh, Paul. Anybody, Deb is in the chat room. Sharon, they can all get a hold of me if you're if you're afraid to ask me questions, because uh, we have had a lot of that. Uh, you know, people just afraid. Uh, that I'm going to get upset because when I do, um, well, it's not pretty. So, uh, but if you do have questions, just just email somebody here and and we'll get you the answer that you're looking for. Not a problem. And if you want to know where you need to flee to, uh, they will pass on the information to me if you don't feel like emailing me. But if you do want to, it's prophetico at mail dot com. And you don't have to tell me your name. Just tell me your location, and I'll let you know. Uh, where you should probably head uh, come that day. So uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, um, God bless. Godspeed. All right, Paul, Amy, talk to you later. Good night. Amen. Good night. Good night. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.